Let me start with this. Anonymous, do not move in with this man, okay? Do not. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Monday. Thanks for being here wherever you're listening to or whatever platform you're listening from. Thank you for being here. I answer your questions on this podcast. That's what we do. You email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com about any subject. We walk through it long form like we're two friends. I'm not always right. I'm just giving you the advice that I would give to any friend and hopefully you do the same for me. I don't have notes. I have not prepared these questions. I have not pre-screened these questions. So we're jumping into something together. So as I read it, I'm reading it for the first time, and then you're hearing it for the first time. And then you could help listen and answer yourself and see if you could do a better job. And then if you think you could do a better job, then email me and say, hey, I heard you answer that question and you're wrong and here's why and here's the right answer. Then I could read that on the podcast. That's an interesting thought. First question, jumping right into it. Subject line says, a sixth sense and the afterlife. Message comes from longtime fan, Lori Fung. Thank you so much for emailing Lori. It's good to hear from you. And she says, my therapist informed me that I am an empath. It is like having a sixth sense where my senses are so much more elevated than others. This makes complete sense to me because I could feel the emotions of people all around me. It seems that uh, to stretch, this also seems to stretch to feeling spirits around me as well. I used to feel dark entities and ornery, ornery spirits of those that had passed. Is that how you say that right? I could walk into a bar or places of business for the first time, and I could feel a ghostly appearance before I even stepped in the door. I could tell you what room they were in. I would get a very strong, high-anxiety, hair-raising feeling. I would ask an employee if there had ever been ghost sightings, and they would confirm my exact suspicions. The strongest I have ever felt was at the Buffalo Bills Irma Hotel in Cody, Wyoming. So, Yeah, Buffalo Bills, Irma Hotel in Cody, Wyoming, no doubt. I had to wait to read about it until I had service at our hotel that night, and it was haunted. A friend told me since I was feeling dark entities, I must be veering away from God. This changed my perspective entirely, especially considering I was pregnant at the time. I didn't want to have that feeling anymore. My life changed when I looked more towards the light of God, His word, and now I see more signs of His presence. My son, Cody, is my biggest blessing from God. Sometimes I feel like he gives me signs that I am to share with others, and maybe they're directly from those who have passed. For example, my neighbor, John, had had at-home hospice care due to a long battle with cancer. He and I spent deep talks before he passed away. He was mostly worried about his wife, Ginger, and spoke of the plans he had laid out for her so that she was taken care of. A short time after John had passed, Ginger called my husband and I because she thought she had mice in the house. She said that they have gotten into her crackers and left them out on the floor in the living room. When we walked over and I looked, there were two perfectly intact heart crackers laying on the floor in the same area where John and I had had talks. I said, Ginger, 
This is a sign from John. He just wanted you to know that he loves you and that he's okay. She was a bit frightened when she thought of this and said, oh my gosh, I thought I felt his presence getting out of our bed last night. I never put two and two together. Well, all this being said, what are your thoughts on the afterlife and the signs received from our loved ones? Okay, a um, little bit longer email, but but I think it's appropriate to read a longer email on this kind of subject. Lori, love you, girl. Thank you so much for emailing, and let's dive into this. So I mentioned earlier that I not always write about stuff, but what I do have is biblical truth. That's truth revealed in the Bible, which we know as the Word of God, and I can lean on that as the truth. So there's objective truth, which is the Bible, and then there's subjective truth, which is what I could believe, what you could believe, what the world could believe, and that's my truth. That's when someone says, well, I mean, that's truth to me. That's my truth. Well, when we say that, that's subjective. That's not objective truth. Objective truth does not change regardless of who's interpreting it. So for instance, I could say, the sky is red, and I could believe it. And I could sincerely believe the sky is red. And I could say, because I have some figment in my vision, I see a red tint, you say blue, I say red, so the truth is, it's red. Well, that's my truth. But that's not the truth. The consensus would be that the sky is indeed blue. That's the way humans perceive the atmosphere. It's blue, and that is the objective truth. My truth red doesn't mean I'm wrong. It just means that's not the truth. That's a long way to explain that. The Bible says that the dead have no more business on earth. So we see this, and and God's Word is revealed. People often say, how do I know God's Word? How could I know the truth from God? How do I know God is speaking to me? Etc., etc. Well, we read the Bible consistently, and I'm not talking about devotionals and taking one verse at a time and skipping around or or playing Russian roulette with the Bible and opening it up to a random page and just reading that page. I'm talking about start at a practical place like Genesis or Matthew or maybe John, maybe Acts if you want to get into the letters after the, the Gospels, whatever. You start and you read down chapter after chapter. And we don't just do this once. This is a lifelong experience we go as we travel through the Bible as Christians, and we just continue to go over and over and over, and that lasts the rest of our life. We read through the Bible as many times as we can, starting now till we die. And as we read, we start to see things that we skipped over because we were daydreaming or whatever that we didn't see last year in our time through the Bible last year. So we see things, and also we see things through a different perspective. Like we get older, we get married, we have kids, we have a divorce, we go through depression, we go through anxiety, we go through joy, we go through happiness, we go through grief, we go through loss, we go through success. All these different lenses of the experience of the world We see lines in the Bible differently. We see context and subjects differently, stories, parables differently. We go, wow, now I see this parable in a different light. Or I see this in a way that I never saw before because of life experiences. All that being said, when we read through it many times, we can answer all of your questions, Lori, that you asked in this email. And I'll say again, the Bible says clearly that the dead have no business left 
on earth. The afterlife is real, and it consists of two destinations, heaven or hell. There is no purgatory. There is no in-between. There is no person that is stuck in the middle, and they, they didn't accomplish something left over in their life that they need to accomplish, like a movie would, would represent a ghost that has a couple of things that are, maybe they died a terrible death, and they have some things left undone on this earth, and they need to fix those things before then they graduate to a perfect afterlife or whatever. There is also not a place where something somebody does something really bad and their punishment is they're stuck here in chains haunting the other current habitants of the earth. None of those things are true objectively. Now, people, like I said, people subjectively will say, no, I promise you, I've seen it. Well, that's subjective truth. That is the sky is red. So... The Bible says, Lori, no, you're not seeing people that are stuck here in some weird realm or dimension that are still here on earth. That being said, if you are hearing things or seeing things or noticing signs, there absolutely is a spiritual realm that we cannot see. The Bible talks about this extensively as well. There is a spiritual warfare going on around us at all times, but it's not human. It's angels and demons, and they are in a war around us. This is, once again, not my opinion. It's not something I grew to know or had a dream about or decided. This is what the Bible reveals to us. There is a spiritual warfare. There are demons inhabiting this planet. There are demon possessions that happened. Jesus cured demon possession many times through the Gospels. The four Gospels we could read many times of Jesus encountering a demon or rebuking a demon inside a person. We also see that through the book of Acts and continuing through the New Testament as the apostles then took that through the Holy Spirit, through their rebirth, that faith gave them ability to rebuke demons. If you are confused about this, or if you're not, if you're thinking this is something else, that's a major problem and a major red flag. If you're seeing things, hearing things, your friend was right at the very beginning, whenever, whenever they said, I don't know why I put a T in the word beginning, beginning, but it's beginning to uh, tell you that there is a problem. Your friend, where is it? They said that you are, um, your friend said that I must be veering away from God. Your friend is not wrong. It can either go two ways. One, you're getting really close to God and you're getting just very spirit sensitive and you're reading your Bible all the time and you're starting to feel the presence of the spirit world around you. That is very possible. But that doesn't sound like what's happening to you. It sounds like you're new to the faith or you are, uh, you, you're not as invested in the church. You're not, your prayer life isn't exactly where you need it to be right now. Understandable, no judgment here. But, but if you're on that side of the, of, the, of the spectrum, then you're seeing something else and it's sinister. So I would, I would, I would just extremely, extremely caution you that this is something you don't want to be messing with. 
there are um there are many fortune tellers and uh and psychics throughout the bible there always has been and no one is going to deny their power no one's going to deny a psychic's power i'm not talking about um i'm not talking about it's someone that's corrupt and that's just a a hoax and they're just they're, they've got a scam going on to get your money, and they're just reading your cards, and they have some kind of scam. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that actually are spirit sensitive, and they're and it's not biblical. I'm not denying their power because we could see that they are being influenced by a darker force. This is scary stuff for some of y'all that don't read the Bible. This sounds like sci-fi. This sounds like something out of Star Wars. Like, what am I talking about? A Jedi Knight? And I understand that too. I've been on the, I've been on that side too. I've been where you are. I've I've thought that this could be hokey, but I have come to see this in my own life, and I've come to believe it. And if we believe one thing in the Bible, we believe all of it. We believe the inerrancy of the Bible, and we also believe the sufficiency of the Bible in our lives. As all we need, Christ is all we need. Now, can we believe that? Can we rely that Christ is all we need? Because if we do, we're saved. If we don't, we're not. And as I mentioned, there's only two places to go. There's only two destinations in the afterlife. It's so important to believe, especially people that are grieving. This is, this is, when you're grieving, you, you have an open wound. And you're, op- you're open to, to your, your wound is open and, and in the open air, you can get all kinds of diseases because your wound is wide open and it's not healed and it's not bandaged correctly. So you're you're more susceptible to getting outside influence into your wound. One of the things that could easily get into your wound is the idea that you can communicate with the person that you lost. This is heresy. This is demonic. This is very dangerous. You start thinking you can communicate with your grandpa that died, or your grandma sent you a sign that's a, you know, some kind of sign that she's going to tell you in a form of a heart cracker that she's okay and that you're going to do great. That is a very bad thing. I cannot emphasize enough. Heart crackers are not from grandpa or the dead spouse. The dead spouse, wherever they are in the afterlife, in version A or version B, wherever they are, trust me, they're not worried about anything left on this earth. They have no business left here. They are not concerned with what is still going on on this earth. Now, the Bible says, too, that we have a, a host of witnesses, but it's, it's, it's in a different form. It's, it's like they could celebrate our salvation, and they could celebrate us and our love for God in a different way than also being worried about us and our, and our business here in our earthly matters. It just doesn't happen. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that, but there's plenty of times the Bible talks about heaven and hell. In fact, Jesus talked more about hell than any of the prophets or the apostles or disciples or anybody else. Jesus talked more about hell. He was a hell and brimstone preacher, for lack of a better phrase. But if you read the Gospels, Jesus is saying, the way is narrow to salvation. 
The road is wide to, destru- to destruction. And he talks about specifics of fire and hell. All that being said, Lori, please, you're my friend. And I'm telling you, this is not good. Be so, so careful. I'm sorry I spent a little extra time on this question than I usually do. But I think it's a very important topic. And I'm glad that I, that I fell on this in my inbox right here. Next question, septic line says, marital advice. Hey, Granger, like to remain anonymous. I'm 28 years old. My wife, uh, I'm 28 years old, wife and mom from Indiana. That's who you are. My husband and I have been a huge fan of you and recently saw you in concert. I follow your wife on social media and found her to be a positive influence on my life. I found your podcast and I've been an avid listener on my drives to and from work. I thought maybe you can give me some advice. My husband and I have been together for almost 10 years. Our son just turned one this summer, and we've gotten to the point in our lives where we have achieved so many major milestones and goals and set that we had set as our younger selves. We both have our career path set, our beautiful home, a new car, awesome dog, the most perfect little boy. We hope to grow our family in the future, but right now we're perfectly content. With that, we have fallen into a rut. Because it's more than just a rut of being busy and doing the same thing day in and day out. Neither of us prioritize the other or strive to make the other happy. And it seems we're fighting more often than enjoying the life we've created. I love my husband, and I know he loves me, and we both love God and asked him for our help to strengthen our marriage, but we're still struggling to be the best spouse we could be for each other. I want to raise our son to see a happy, healthy marriage, but not so. F- but so far, no amount of love or prayer is helping. Any advice you can give would be great. Thank you, Megan from Indiana. Megan, thank you so much for the email, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast uh, on your your commutes. I, I love that you listen while you're driving to and from work, and I hope my hope is that as you're driving and you're listening to the podcast and suddenly you hear your question, you go, wow, he's answering it. I, I hope that you have that excitement. Like, oh, here we go. He's, I can't believe it. He's great. He's answering it. I, I hope with any of y'all that you feel that excitement because um, it means a lot to me and your questions mean so much to me. Let's dive into what, to what we're talking about here, Megan. Um, first of all, totally get it. Everything you said, I totally get it. Um, I can sympathize and you are not alone in these thoughts, okay? But but the the problem is where you're looking for a solution. Because I see this a lot in these questions, and it's it's crazy to me that so many times in, in questions to this podcast, we see a sentence like this, and it said, You said, I love my I love my husband, and I know he loves me, and we both love God and ask him for help to strengthen our marriage, but and there's always a but. There's always a but. When, the, when that kind of sentence happens, I always see a but. I love God. I trust God. I pray to God, but it's not working. So what would you do? What would you do if you went to, um, let's say this. Let's say this. What if you were, you're calling Delta Airlines and it's a customer service line and you call and no one ever answers. 
and you have something that's really important. I mean, this is very important. Like in your email, your marriage depends on it. What if your marriage depend on, depended on this Delta Airline customer service line picking up? I would say to you, what are you doing? Explain to me exactly this, this phone call you're making to Delta. Like, is it telling you that the wait time is 30 minutes? Are you waiting 30 minutes? Is it telling you you're 15th in line? Are you too busy and you're going to hang up at call, caller number 13? I would say, have you been to the airport to go talk to the customer service desk and ask them if it's that important? Have you asked them? And usually the answer would come back like, well, no, I haven't done any of that, actually. I just, I just call and it rings a few times and then I hang up. And I think that's, that's a lot of times what we're doing when we say, I pray to God, we're giving Delta Airlines a few rings and then we hang up. And then the next day we forget, the next day we forget. And then on Friday, we remember again and we go, oh yeah, I forgot about that Delta thing. I'll call, but I'll call after lunch. And then we call after lunch, we let it ring a couple of times and we hang back up. And this is many times defining the relationship we have with God. So I say, are you reading his word? Man, how many times, how many times could I say that on this podcast? How many times could I say that that, that would be the number one most important thing you can do in your life right now is pick up that Bible that's on your shelf, that's dusty, and I'm speaking from experience. I don't say that because I've always read my Bible. I say that because I was once you. I once looked at the Bible as something that every once in a while I'd pick it up. Maybe it's Easter service, and I'm going to pick it up, and we're going to go in Easter service, and the, the pastor's going to say, I'm reading out of this book, and I'm going to flip to it, and I'm going to read what he says, and I'm going to close it again. And when I get home, it's going to go back on the shelf. That's pretty much the, the relationship I used to have with my Bible. It's not like that now. Now it is my lifeline. I live for it. I, guys, I haven't skipped. I, I have a, a reading plan I do called the McShane plan. And it's four chapters in the Bible. And it get, it's four chapters a day. And it gets me through the New Testament twice, the Psalms twice, and the Old Testament once in a year. I have not missed a reading in probably three years. And I can't imagine the feeling I would have if I did miss. Guys, you, you know... You know that I don't have, I, I, I don't have that much free time. I've got a lot of stuff going on. I, I, have, I have a pretty, on the average, my schedule's pretty busy. I've got a lot of irons in the fire. I'm spinning a lot of plates on my fingers. So having enough time is, is never an excuse for me not to read. I've read in airports. I've read on airplanes. I've read in buses. I've read in trains. I've read, I've read under trees and parks. I've read at my house before the sun comes up, before the kids wake up, but I never have skipped my reading. Why? Because, because I live for it. It's, it's my bread. I hunger for it. The more I read, the more I get hungry for it. When I first started, I wasn't like that. But the more I read, the more truths that were revealed, the more I saw, the more I saw the word of God, like John 14, 23 says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. I'll say it again. If anyone loves me, this is Jesus talking. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word 
and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. I, when the first time that jumped out of the page to me, when, when I first heard that, what I heard was, if anyone, if you want to prove that you love me, you want to prove that you love me, which is pivotal in, our, in this relationship, right? Like, this is pivotal in, in our walk. You want to prove that you love me? You're going to keep my word. So you know what I thought? Like, practically speaking, you know what I thought when I heard that, when I read that? I thought, well, I got to read everything he said, because if I'm going to keep it, I want to read everything he ever said. And guess what one of the things he said was? Guess what one of the things he said? He said, he said, do you believe Moses? Because Moses was talking about me. So then I was like, oh, now I got to go to the Old Testament. And I got to read all that because that's him too. I don't want to miss a word. I don't want to miss a single sentence because he said, to prove my love to him, I have to know I have to keep his word. And to keep his word, I better read it. And I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to be mistaken about anything. So not only once, not only twice, but for the rest of my life, I'm going to read this word. And then I started hungering for it. I started thirsting for it because it was the living water and I needed it. I craved it. Guys, this is my story. I'm, t- I'm pleading with you. And I can answer every podcast question with this, but I don't because I, I, I try to harness myself a little bit because I get so excited, but I'm like, here's the answer. Here's the answer. Megan, you want to know, you want to know what God's will is for you? You want to know how to deal with all this stuff and all this worldly success and the new car and the new house and the perfect little baby boy and the perfect job? You know, you want to know how to deal with that because you're feeling empty, you're feeling lost, you're feeling not fulfilled? <laughs> I can tell you the answer. It's in your Bible. You're going you're gonna to find your answer to your question over and over and over, page after page, 66 books. You're going to find exactly what you're asking. You're going to find the answer. And so I'm pleading with you. I could sit here and I can go through verses and I could, I could dissect it with my own mind, but it's so much better if you just read it for yourself because you're going to get in there, start with John 1, start with Matthew 1, wherever you want to start. I don't really care as long as you don't stop after that, as long as you don't skip around. But you go there and you're going to be like, oh, I've got a new career and a perfect home and a new car and an awesome dog and the most perfect little boy, and I feel empty. And here is why. Right here on this page. And then you're gonna get your you're gonna get your pen and you're gonna circle that verse. You're like, this is me. And you're gonna turn the page and you're gonna go, wait, there's another one. This is another example. And you're gonna circle it. This is your answer, Megan. Please, I'm I'm pleading with you. Your answer can be found. When we communicate with God, our prayers, right? When we pray, us talking to God, that's how we communicate to Him. But He talks back through the living, breathing Word. I'll be right back.
Thanks for listening to the podcast, y'all. This is Granger. I want to tell you how to get a hold of me if you want me to make you a personalized video message. I could do that and send it right over to you. I can tell you happy birthday or congratulations or congrats on the wedding, whatever it might be, maybe some words of encouragement. I could do that. You need to go to cameo.com slash Granger Smith, or you could download the Cameo app and search for me, Granger Smith. You just type in what you want me to say. I could say it, ad-lib it a little bit, and send it right over to you. It's super easy, super fun, especially with the holidays coming up. There's all kinds of Merry Christmas, Happy New Year things I could do for you that's really fun. Happy Thanksgiving, etc. Another thing you need to know about is our Yee Apparel Fall Launch that happened last week. We've got all kinds of brand new stuff, all custom made, custom stitched. This is not something we just bulk made for you and just went to a manufacturer and printed our name on it. We actually took years and went through and custom made these things with different designers to make sure that no one else has anything like it and that you love it. You can go to yeeyee.com to find out more. Let's get back to these questions. Next question, diving right back in. Subject line says, social media posting. Hey, Granger, my boyfriend and I have been dating for six months. And right now, we are long distance. He has yet to post me on any social media platforms and says he doesn't want to make it official here until we are married. He has posted exes in the past and has made it official with them. I met his close friends and family, and he is about to quit his job and move in with me. For some reason, I feel like he's hiding me, and it makes me think there might be another woman. I've been honest with him about how I feel, and he gets very upset when I want to talk about any of this. Am I going crazy? I need some advice. Anonymous. Okay, Anonymous, thank you for, thank you for the question, and I hear you. It's legitimate. Let me, let me, oh man, <laughs> let me start with this. Anonymous, do not move in with this man, okay? Do not, and I'm not, I don't even know him. I don't know any of his intentions. Maybe he's a great guy. None of that matters. You're not married. Don't move in with him. You're already anxious. You already have some anxiety. You already have some trust issues. You're already worried. Why would you take this step? Because you know what, you know what happens next? This is coming from reading all of your emails. What happens next is you make a baby. And then then you're you have problems and you have a baby. And so now these problems are magnified. Don't move in with this guy. Don't move in with any guy. It doesn't matter who he is until you get married. That's the way it's set up. It's not set up that way to to give you some handcuffs to make your life suck, to make things hard on you or not fair or uncool. It's set up this way for your protection, for your ultimate joy. So that when you follow this pattern that's set up for you by your creator, you can experience less anxiety. You could experience joy. You could you could have hopeful grieving whenever you're grieving. But this stuff is set up for you. So, I mean, should you be legitimately worried that he's not posting about you? I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like you're going a little crazy. I don't blame you for going crazy. And I can't, I can't say that if I wasn't in the same situation, I wouldn't think that's weird. It's strange that you have to go and look at his previous feeds and see that he posted about exes. 
that's just strange. It's also strange that he's not saying anything about you. It's strange that you feel like he's hiding something. Maybe you're going crazy. Maybe he's making you crazy. Maybe you're a sane person, but together with him, you're kind of going insane a little bit. And that pressure could mount up if you're thinking he's the one. It's only been six months, but we're already talking about marriage. And I've met his close friends and family, and he's about to quit his job and move in with me. There's there's like a lot of pressure because you're like, oh man, he's the one. And so then you start analyzing. Like if he's the one, then I, I better make sure before we get married that everything's in line, all the ducks are in a row, and, and I see a problem. He's not posting about me, and he posts about his exes. So sure, maybe it's a problem, maybe it's not, maybe you're crazy, maybe he's making you crazy, maybe this is all blown out of proportion, but but it all boils down to me, what I see in your email is, don't move in with him. Like, that's the worst thing you could do. <laughs> you could talk about this stuff with him. You can go to dinner and just say, hey, I'm really embarrassed to even bring this up. And I don't want to sound naggy, I don't want to sound like a crazy girlfriend, but I get this weird feeling that I'm sorry I got to say it, but I feel like you're hiding something from me. And part of it comes just from an insecurity that you haven't said anything about me on social media. And it kind of feels like you're hiding me from everyone else in the world. And I can't help but I'm sorry, I'm not a stalker, but I can't help but notice that you posted about an ex. Is that weird? And let him explain it. Like maybe he's like, oh, <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I, I totally, you're you're right. And I'll, I'll delete those old ex posts and I'll, I need to make a better effort of putting you in my social media. I mean, this is 2022 probs big time, but it's a legitimate conversation. All that being said, you know, yes, no, maybe he's the one, maybe he's not, maybe he's hiding something, maybe he's not, maybe he's just lazy, maybe he just hasn't thought about it. Whatever. It, I, I don't really care. I just don't want you to move in with him. I don't want you to move into him with him till you're married, okay? Next question. Scroll around here for a sec. It said, the subject line says, September 23rd, how do I handle this and look to God? Hey, Granger, been a fan of yours for a long time, especially now on After Midnight. Today is the day I was supposed to get married to a man I would have been with for eight years, but that isn't happening due to decisions he made several months ago in March when he decided to be unfaithful and eventually marry someone else in June. I was just wondering if you had any advice for handling my, quote, what would have been wedding day and trusting God through the hurt and the journey of getting back into dating after eight years. Thanks, Emily. Emily, thank you so much for the email. Um, what's really cool, what, what I enjoy from this podcast is how we could randomly, through these random emails, we could go back to back on two different storylines that are in different places of a relationship. So it's crazy, right? It's crazy going back to back, hearing a girl that's been dating for six months and about to move in, and she's worried he might have a girlfriend and then we go to the next email, and it's Emily saying the man that she was supposed to marry, they got engaged because they probably moved in together. I, no judgment, Emily. I'm just saying. I'm never judging on this podcast, guys. I'm just trying to give my best suggestions out of love, okay? 
I've messed up so many things in my life, so I'm, I can't stand on any kind of judgment seat. So that's not what I mean. But I'm saying, Emily, look at this. And look at Anonymous right before you who had a suspicion of what you actually went through and didn't get married because he was with another girl. And now you're stuck here. So my point is, Anonymous email before, look at Emily. Look at Emily and be like, hey, I need to... I need to go ahead and take care of this before we get engaged, before we get a date on the calendar, before we're living together. And then I'm suffering eight years later at the date that we would have gotten married. Like you could hit the brakes now, Anonymous, because now we got a different problem with Emily. So Emily, the, the thing about you, Emily, is that what a blessing that you didn't marry this guy. Like what? What a, what a miracle, because we could go back. I could probably flip right now on the screen and hit another email that's talking about some bad divorce. You don't have to go through that. And you don't have a child that you've mentioned. Great. What a, what a blessing. No child, no divorce, no nasty court settlement. You got out clean and the guy's a jerk. The guy messed up. And then he ended up marrying this other girl. Like, wow, that, I mean, it can't be, you can't get better closure than that. So here's the thing. I don't believe in what would have been. I don't believe in what would have been. Why? Because it didn't. It just didn't. I don't think there is such thing as a what would have been unless it actually happened. So the date, I understand there's a connection with that date. You would have been married on this day. It's coming up on the calendar. But it was that day, you should look at that day on the calendar is Freedom Day. Like you should, you should take a pin right now on your calendar. And did you say what day it is? You didn't say. Whatever day that, you didn't say the day. But whatever it is, I would write freedom. Like that's, that's Emily's Freedom Day. Yes, rejoice in that. Put your hands in the air and say, Freedom Day. That's the day I was supposed to marry the, the guy that I never did because I found out early enough, I had a suspicion, and he screwed up, and he was unfaithful, and he married somebody else. Freedom. Thank God I don't have to deal with divorce. Thank God I don't have to deal with child custody problems. Thank God we didn't have three kids that are now hurt because mommy and daddy aren't together. I did it. Freedom. Thank you, God. I'm going to write that on my calendar. Freedom Day. Like that's the, you're asking me, how do you handle that? There you go. You celebrate it. You celebrate it. I'm talking, make a cake. You invite your friends over and make a cake and tell them, hey, you guys want to come over on Thursday and have a cake? And they're like, why? And you're like, it's Freedom Day, baby. Freedom. I'm making a big cake. We're having a party. We're going to invite friends over. We're going to turn on some music, turn the lights down, have some cake. It's going to be amazing. I'm actually going to spend about 75 bucks. I'm going to spend, spend money on a good baker. We're going to make this nice cake, and we're going to have slices of this cake, and we're going to go, freedom, baby. Freedom. That's what I got to say about that. All right, flipping through. What, are we, what is coming up next? Let's see. Here's something looks like it's completely off topic. Subject line says, German, short-haired, 
pointers. Hey, Granger, my name is Luke from London, Ohio. I want to start off by saying thank you for the podcast. I'm 25. My wife and I love how you have this platform and share God's word and help folks that need advice. That being said, I'm a journeyman electrician. I love what you do. I love what I do. Excuse me. I love what I do. However, I love training and running bird dogs. Other than going to church, reading my Bible, spending time with my family, I don't get any more enjoyment than working with dogs. I want to get your take on if I should pursue training dogs or continue being an electrician. I pray about it often because it's a hard choice to make due um, due to my wife being 17 weeks pregnant with our first son. I make a fair amount of money being an electrician, and I want to be able to provide for them, and I don't know if working with dogs is going to cut it. Thank you and God bless. All right, Luke, bro, thank you for emailing. And um, I too have a German short-haired pointer. I have two of them. I love GSPs, great dogs. So I, I share a little bit of your uh, your love for, for these bird dogs. And, um, and I totally hear what you're saying. And so this is, you're going to think I'm crazy, but this is easy. This is really easy. And we, we really overcomplicate life decisions. We really do. We just, we dig too deep. We're like, what's God's will? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yes, call him. No, call him. Make money. Don't make money. Got a kid coming. I don't blame you for that, Luke, at all, because I understand the pressures of that. But I think you're making it too complicated. Here's what I would do, okay? If I were you, Luke, if I'm you, this is what I'd do. I call, I call my friend. I've got a buddy that has a kennel called Woe Nelly's Kennel. Okay. They're on Instagram. You can go to their website. And I would say, I would call them and say, what's up? My name is Luke. They're in Missouri. You say, Hey, I know you're in Missouri. I'm in Ohio. I'm an electrician. I have a passion for bird dogs, exclusively GSPs. You have a very successful kennel in Missouri. Is there any way, maybe, is there a day next month or next year or whenever I could come visit you? I'm going to drive from Ohio to Missouri and just me and my wife are going to come and just see your operation and pick your brain a little bit. Like maybe you could have some really good insight on on me and my life and my career. And maybe, maybe you'll say, dude, don't, don't get into this business. It's too complicated. This is, this is scary. Don't do it. Or you need land. You need 10 acres. If you don't have 10 acres, whatever, if you don't have a pond, if you don't have a lake, then this is, I don't know what he's going to say, but, but what you'll do is you'll just go and learn, just be a sponge for a few hours. It's not going to take all day. Just drive down there. You guys get a hotel, enjoy the road trip. You and your wife, on a Sunday, whatever, and go see them at Woe Nelly's Kennel. And I say that because I know them and I've gotten a dog from them. And But there's 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 other ones too. I just happen to know that they're really good and they're really good what they do and they love dogs. They're very passionate. So I would find somebody like that and I would just soak it up. Just say, this, this is my deal. What do you think? And if they say, yeah, do it, then they'll say, here's your next step. Your next step is... Get, get this, save for this. And you'll go, okay, I don't, I don't have that much money. So now I have a goal to save. All the time, you're not quitting your electrician job. 
you're not quitting it. So you're still making the money, but on the side, you're researching and you're kind of putting your toe in the water of what it might be like to be this breeder. And you just take slow steps. And then, and you, did you mention God? <laughs> I have to look. I don't know if you said God. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. You did. You said, I go to church. Read it. Okay. So, so then at the me in the meantime, you're just passionately praying. You're like, God, God, did you, did you put this passion? You gave me this passion for German short hairs. And, and, and I feel that God. So, so God, if this is something you need me to do, will you open this door? You open the next door and I'll walk through it. If it's not something I need to do, close that door right in my face. Just slam the door right in my face because I don't want to. I don't want to do anything outside of your will. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna walk towards it. This is my. This is what I think is my dream. I'm gonna walk towards it. And then God, close the door if I'm not supposed to go that way. Make a canyon between me and that next space I'm walking to. Right. But in the meantime, I'm gonna take a step. I'm not gonna do anything crazy. I'm not gonna quit my job. I'm not gonna go buy 25 dogs and put them in my backyard and start building fences. I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to aim low. And I'm going to go and first thing I'm going to do is take a trip to Woe Nellis Kennel. Ask them everything. You're going to know so much. Like on that trip back from Missouri, I hope you do it. On that trip back, you are going to be, you're going to have so much more knowledge than you have today. You're going to be like, man, I know a ton now. I know so much more just from taking this trip. Guys, apply this kind of logic with anything you're doing. I know I've said a similar story with the police academy. I've said, um, last week I said something with criminal justice. I've, I've said many similar things with the music business. So these are just practical, logical, slow, aiming low steps to take next. The only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Let's hit another one. Okay. Uh, subject line says, should I do it? Hey, Granger, started listening to your podcast. I've been wanting to go into to the Marine Corps since I was seven. I'm now 12. Man, 12 years old listening to podcast. Man, hats off to you, brother. The military runs through our family blood. My great grandpa was in the Marine Corps and my grandpa was in the Okay, my great-grandpa was in the Marine Corps, and my grandpa was in the Marine Corps, and my cousin just got out of the Army. I've been wondering if I should go to the military because I believe this five years will fly by, and I don't know if I should keep, if I should keep my promise with my grandpa. I want to have your opinion because I don't know if I should follow through. I don't know what I would do after the military, or if I was able to get a job after, and that really scares me. Sincerely, Thomas Williams. Thomas, buddy. Thank you for emailing me, bro. Um, it's crazy. My daughter's 11, and you are already talking about the rest of your life, and you're 12. Um, dude, this is super, super easy. You, you say these next five years are going to fly by. Don't think of it that way. Because you're 12 and the next five years to you're 17 are, are so important to keep your eyes open and to live for today, to live in this moment. It's not time. 12 is not the age to be planning for retirement. And essentially you're saying, not only do you want to know if you're going to join the Marine Corps, but you want to know what kind of job you're going to get after the Marine Corps and you're 12. You can't do that, bro. You can't do that. You need to be thinking about 
your next class or the next sport you're going to be playing. If you love the military, cool. I think there's you should join ROTC. Join some kind of local ROTC and go through drills and go through training and go through marching and go through cleaning rifles. And, and, and I would say you could start upping your physical training. Like you could start working on your push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups. And you could start working on your long-distance running. Like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a half a mile every morning around the neighborhood. Like, that's a great way to start. But you're not saying, I have to join the Marine Corps in five years. I have to be ready. And then I have to be ready for the job that comes after that. Can't disappoint grandpa. Can't disappoint great grandpa. Like, that's just not a way for a 12-year-old to live. Here's how easy it is. You say, I love the Marines. It's in my family's blood. God willing, I'll be one too. And right now, I'm in junior high or middle school, whatever. And uh, what, what are you, dude, you're sixth grade, you're sixth grade, elementary school. And you just, you go out and you go for runs and you wear green and you feel cool about it. But dude, so much can change. There's nothing that needs to be decided right now, bro. Nothing. Okay. The most important thing you could do is be 12. You could be 12. You know what you can do too? Join a, join a contact sport team talking soccer, talking wrestling, talking basketball, football, hockey, sand volleyball. I don't know. Um, what am I missing? Tons of other things. Rugby. I'm from Texas. I, we only know, we only know football. Um, but yeah, join a contact sport because that builds camaraderie and teamwork that will definitely prepare you for your next steps in the Marine Corps and for boot camp. If you come into boot camp and you've never had camaraderie, you've never had competition, you've never had adversity, which all of those sports will help grow in you. If you've never had that, boot camp's going to be a lot tougher. It's going to be a lot tougher transition. So take this passion you have in a love, bro. Thomas, I love that you have passion, but put it into, put it into soccer or rugby or football. Put it into that right now. And in the meantime, you could be telling your buddies one day, I'm going to be a United States Marine. Hoorah. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. See you next Monday. Yee yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel, hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.